0: This is Happiness Solved with America's Happiness Coach, Sandy Scarlotta.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's episode. I am so happy you're here. So, before I introduce today's guest, I want to share with you my five tips to stop abandoning your goals. Here we are, January 2022. Always the time of year where, where a lot of people decide they're going to lose weight, get in shape, you know, and they set their New Year's resolutions. But did you know that studies show that by mid February, 80% of people give up on those goals? That number is astounding. So I want to share these tips with you. And by the way, if you're listening to this later in the year, just know that you don't have to, you know, set your goals in January. You can set goals anytime during the year, and I encourage you to do so. So my first tip is to make sure that you have a detailed plan. I I like to use the acronym SMART. So you want to make sure your goals are specific, measurable, achievable, realistic, and timely. That is so, so important. So make sure you have that detailed plan. Second is get an accountability partner, especially if you are somebody that It needs to be held accountable. Most of us do. We're all human. It's okay if you need to be held accountable. Find somebody that you can trust and is going to call you out and be like, hey, you didn't check in. You didn't check in with me today. What's going on? So make sure you get that accountability partner. Third is attach your emotions to the goal. This is so important because the way that you manifest. Anything into your reality is the feeling that you want, the feeling that it brings. So I encourage everyone, and again, you can do this anytime throughout the year, is write yourself a letter and write the letter to your future self and date it one year from today and write the letter to yourself stating all of the amazing things that you accomplished, but more importantly, how amazing it felt. That is the key. It's the feelings that help you to achieve your goals. The feelings is what brings things into reality for you. Fourth, there's many apps out there that will help you keep on track. I use Way of Life. There's about, at the time of this recording, there's probably about five, maybe more. Um, So you can use an app that'll help you to stay on track or just simply set an alarm on your phone to remind you to take action toward whatever that goal is you're trying to achieve. Lastly, celebrate your wins. This is so important because every small step that you take toward achieving your goals needs to be celebrated. Now, the most important thing that I want to emphasize today is if you have a setback, it's okay. Please don't beat yourself up. Talk to yourself like you're speaking to a child that is upset. If you are talking to a child that is upset, you're going to be gentle. You're going to be compassionate. So please be gentle and compassionate with yourself. So thank you so much for listening. To learn more about me, go to my website at www.sandyscarlotta.com. Today's guest is Corey Schaffer. Corey is a Rhode Island native who joined the Marines in 2011 and served in Afghanistan from 2012 to 2013. While serving, Corey suffered injuries and was forced to retire earlier than planned. Like many veterans, Corey struggled to adjust back to civilian life. His unit had an alarming amount of suicides, which made the battle to keep moving forward even harder. There were some turning points that happened back in 2016, and Corey ended up forming his company, the Till the Halla Project. I will let him explain it more, but this is such a great episode and a conversation that desperately needs to be had. So I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Hey, Corey, how's it going today?
0: Hey, I'm doing good. How are you?
1: I'm doing fantastic even better now that you and I are here talking. <laughs> so I was just reading a little bit about your mission and everything that you're doing, but but I want you to tell that story. But before you go into your big project and your big mission, Sure. What brought you, I want to hear the backstory, what brought you to where you are today and how did you get to this mission?
0: Yeah, um, I, it'd be, I'd be lying if I said it was, you know, an, an easy road or, you know, a short road, but um, you know, really how the mission to make memorial plaques for the families of fallen heroes, like the way that that came about, um, really stemmed tour, uh, you know, when I was getting out of the Marine Corps, I was, I was being um, medically discharged from injuries sustained over in uh, overseas and over in training. Um, I had some back injuries. I had some, um, some hearing issues. There's a, I had a multitude of issues that, that caused me to terminate, you know, my career early. You know, I, I really wanted to be in there for I really wanted to be in the Marine Corps infantry for, for a long time. And, um, it just seems like it, it really wasn't in the books for me. So, um, after, you know, we got back from Afghanistan, um, you know, and receiving, re- receiving medical help, they ended up, they decided that, um, you know, I, I needed to be separated. So that was, that was really a really, a big, really big hit for me, you know, for someone who had a big goal and, you know, always, you know, most of his visions for, you know, the past, you know, three, three, four years really oriented towards, you know, how am I going to build a career? How am I going to, you know, um, climb the ranks? How many deployments will I end up doing? You know, it really, all my focuses went from there to just, oh man, how am I going to make it in the, in the real world, you know?
1: And yeah. Uh, yeah.
0: It, it was a really big shell shock and, and, and really big emotional Demotion, you know, having to sign that paperwork and get out of the get out of the Marine Corps, especially based off of those terms, you know, you know, um, you get a lot of things that roll through your head. You know, I wasn't good enough. You know, I wasn't built for this. And um, there's a lot of psychological, um, you know, trauma that happens when when you go through something like that. So I ended up getting. You know, getting separated from the Marine Corps, in which I moved from California, I was stationed at Twenty Nine Palms, California, and then I ended up um, moving to Florida with uh, you know my my wife and I, and we moved in with my dad, and um, it basically you know I had to start over fresh. You know I I had to figure out you know what was my place, what was my skill set, um, because you know there's not much from the infantry that really carries over to civilian life. And, um, you know, I, I guess maybe the only thing would be like police officer or firefighter, but that really wasn't in my, you know, it wasn't in my scope, but the, you know, so the the reality was, is getting out of the Marine Corps and realizing that despite all the, all the things that we've achieved and all the great things we've done, you know, it really didn't have any value in, in, the, in the real workplace, so.
1: Hmm, that must've been really tough.
0: Yeah, it's it's one of the things I preach when I when I try to teach people, you know, or try to mentor people. I I try to make them understand that you know the reason why a lot of veterans, um, or you know, just whether they deployed or you know whether they're combat vets or or anybody else, the reason why most veterans are taking their lives in today's day and age, it's not because they're so traumatized from the things that they've seen overseas. I mean, I honor you know dozens of heroes every month, and and many of them to suicide and a lot of them don't even have deployments under their belt. So, you know, it, it, you have to go back and and really deduce what the problem is. And what I came to was, you know, it's really just a lack of value, you know, like if, if somebody, if somebody is trained four years to really go over there and do something that that was important to them enough for them to say, Hey, I'll lay down my life. And, um, you know, they never get a chance to do it or they never get to live up to those, to those ambitions then it's really detrimental to their to their soul and I think that when they get out they feel like the best of their life is behind them and uh, they don't feel that there's a need to move forward and they only like to live in the past and it's it's a um, it's a vicious circle that I fell into right after I got out you know I felt like you know the only things I can do would go get a job at a gun store or teaching tactical training or you know anything that allowed me to stay in the realm and talk about deployments and stuff like that. So it it was a big shell shock. And what ended up happening was, you know, I wasn't the only one struggling and I, my unit would soon fall plague to um, a lot of our Marines committing suicide. So, and quite a few of my buddies being some of them. So, you know, um, I had, I got a call from my team later one day and, and found out that one of my best friends had ended up taking his life and I didn't know how to cope with it. You know, I, I had, I had never drank in the military. I would never smoked in the military, but after really finding out and, um, and really dealing with this loss, I started drinking heavily and trying to cope with it. And, um, just, I know it, it seems silly now nowadays, but you know, I really tried to keep my head above water by drowning and, um, and what I ended up doing was, in in as a form of therapy to kind of rid some of the thoughts I was having, I started building plaques in my garage after I was done with uh, work, which I used to work at um, Academy Sports and AutoZone. Um, but after I'd go from work, I would go to college, and then after college, I would stay home and um, start building plaques for for the guys I lost or multiples for you know the same same Marine and stuff like that. And I would end up, I would ask my unit to help me find the families without creating ties to me. I would ask them to help me deliver these plaques anonymously to the families uh, of the guys we lost. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, my unit really helped me out. You know, they would, Hey, you know, I knew his mom or something like that. They like, great. Can I ship you this plaque and can you deliver it? You know? And, and they started doing that. We started doing that. You know, it, it felt, It felt like it was a lot more frequent than it was, but I mean, the reality was, it was, you know, once a month. So Mm -hmm. once a month I would be able to at least choose a hero and start building multiple plaques. So, and and it started with the guys that I had lost and it would soon, you know, once my neighbors would hear from it, they will say, Hey, you know, you know, my, you know, my buddy at work had lost his son overseas and, you know, would you make one for him? And I was like, yeah, absolutely. It's like, okay, well, how much does it cost? And I'm like, well, I, I can't, I can't in good conscience, take money for something I'm utilizing for therapy and what I feel that they owe, or, you know, that they're owed in the first place, you know, they deserve it. Mm, so wow. I don't want to pay for it. So I would start, I would start dipping into my savings to afford the materials just to give it all away and, and just to keep that mission going. So I would, I would have honored um, a couple dozen heroes. And then it got to the point where I was like, I, I'm at the point where, you know, I don't make enough at work to sustain this. So I either have to shut this down and double down on my career um, in engineering or I have to sacrifice my, you know, my my ambitions to be an engineer and um, or at least postpone them rather. I'd have to postpone them to to travel down this road. And uh, I ended up quitting my job dropping out of college and just jumped full into the plaques and tried to figure out ways to to keep that, that mission going. And, you know, I tried many methods, but what I ended up sticking was was making t-shirts, patriotic t-shirts, motivational t-shirts, t-shirts that hopefully keep other veterans and patriots from from taking their own lives. Like I started making t-shirts like that and um, it really just grew from there.
1: So now you created the Till Valhalla project. Yep. Now is that a is that a nonprofit?
0: It is not a nonprofit. It really is just a. Um, I guess I probably shouldn't cuss, but it's really just a phenomenal clothing brand that just okay. does a lot of philanthropic things for right. families of fallen heroes and for veterans. So, like, I pledge twenty percent of all my net proceeds towards reducing veteran suicide. So. Um, as of last month, we've donated um, $1,023,000 towards Mission 22 so we can pay for therapy for veterans, uh, you know, who are struggling. That's so, like,
1: incredible.
0: I, so that's a bare minimum for us. And then I, at the very least, you know, we we deliver you know, dozens of memorial plaques anonymously every month. So, I mean, as, you know, at some point today and possibly as we speak right now, there's somebody getting a knock at their door that and in, in a package that they had no idea who it's from or why it's there and um and their fallen heroes inside of it
1: whoa that is so incredible incredible wow so what does till the Halla stand for
0: so i i don't dig too much into this but it it really is it's um a uh, norse mythology and and you know there's there's so many ways to describe it but it's it's stands for the hall of the slain and we used it a lot in the military um despite whether most people knew what it was or wasn't but it seemed like a proper thing kind of like saying bless you to somebody you know whether you don't like you know you don't usually check somebody's you know religious status before you say bless you it's just common curse and right we take it how they feel so til bahala when we started losing as we started losing Marines and, you know, this goes for people in, in com- or Marine or military members in combat or suicide, you would see a lot of people say, uh, till Valhalla, because you're basically saying, I'll see you in the, in the hall of the slain, which is like a, which is a glorious afterlife for the Vikings. So we're basically, when you say it, you're basically saying like, Hey, you know, you're, you're worthy of, you know, this, this great afterlife. And I'll see you there when it's my time. So, wow. yeah, and and I said a lot of times we don't read too far into that. Some people, you know, some people understand that it's just a um, like a figure of speech, and that we're not, you know, we're not necessarily promoting a religion. Some of us, I mean, some of us do believe in it, um, but it's one of those things where we always say it as like common courtesy because you're you're saying that they're worthy of a status. Uh, regardless if they believe in it or not, and it's very well recepted in, in the military. And it stems across all branches: um, Marine Corps, Army, Navy, all them. Like uh, it's it's widely accepted. So if someone if someone passes away, you'll see if you go look in in the comments or anywhere where there's a fallen hero uh, being posted, you'll usually see someone say "Til Mahalo."
1: Wow. Yeah. I have heard the expression, but I, I really never knew what it meant.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You'll see it a lot. You'll see it a lot in a lot of movies nowadays. There seems to be like a lot of, um, I mean, even things like the Avengers and stuff like that, Thor, you know, that's all from the same, uh, that's all from the same realm there. So, you know, they'll talk about Valhalla and that and whatnot. So it's, it's really, it's really widely known. and, And actually it seems like, um, it actually seems like a lot of that stuff has, has kind of helped us in the reason, because a lot of people are like, Oh man, you know, they'll, they'll send me videos or, um or they'll send me like pictures and they'll think like people ripped us off or something like that. they will be like, Oh man, did you see that they mentioned you in a movie? I'm like, no, no, no. <laughs> I'm like, no, no, that's a thing. We, we just, you know? Yeah. So it's, it's just funny that uh, it's starting to really bring attention to what it means. It's starting to bring some attention to, you know, to Norse mythology and, um to really what it means you learn about you know the god odin and you know people start digging into it because they go well what does that mean and you know i think when people understand that it's like when you say Tilbahali, you're you're telling somebody that you know they're they're they were the truest of the warriors and that you will see them again and that you know you believe that they're dining um you know they're dining amongst the, the greatest warriors to walk the earth you know so
1: wow that gives me chills I appreciate it. Yeah. Wow. Well, first of all, thank you so much for your service. And I am so sorry that you um, had to end your service before you had intended. And uh, that that's always when life throws us curveballs, right? It's like, okay, now what?
0: Well, it's all how you adapt. And I think that um, yeah. the other day is this company was built off of, you know, the blood and sacrifice of, of the guys, who I served with and I, I just do my best every day to, you know, to just pay them tribute and to do them justice. So, you know, while my service might've ended there, I think it, it continues even larger over here. I'm making 100%,
1: I'm making 100%. today
0: than, than I ever could in the military. I think.
1: Oh, well, yeah. So I want to go back to what you had said. Um, Cause I made a note that you were saying that most of or, I don't know whether you said it was most or if there's an actual statistic or if they would even know the statistic, but I was, it it struck me because you said that many veterans commit suicide, not Mm. because of the trauma, but because that they're feeling a lack of value. And that really was shocking to me.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Because you
1: just make the assumption, right? We make the assumption that... You know, they experienced so much, you know, saw things that you can't unsee and experienced so many things that just, you know, most people would never go through in their lives. And that is why they just, they can't deal with it. So yeah. can you talk just a little bit more about that? Because I feel like, well, I don't want this to be a, a Debbie Downer epi- episode by sure. all means. I want people to, to understand and and yeah. I want people to be educated because this is such a serious topic.
0: Yeah, we should absolutely shine some light on that because it's, it's one of those things where you're right. It's, it's so widely assumed that, you know, uh, that some, that if you hear of a veteran taking his life, that you assume that he, you know, he's been through multiple combat deployments and has seen his friends killed and, you know, uh, you know, watch kids die and all, all these crazy things. It's like, you know, now mind you, that is the case um, for many people.
1: Right, Right. For the majority
0: it's not. And, and, you know, when, when it would say, when, when I would see people that passed and, you know, maybe even if I knew them or, you know, maybe they had never even deployed, it'd be like, you know, I would see them so quick to be labeled as, you know, PTSD or, you know, or combat PTSD or, um, that they're just struggling with all the things that they've seen. Like we should help them get therapy, you know, to send them to war, you know, it's, so I got to see so many things and so many people's perspectives. It's just like, oh man, they've just seen so many horrific things that, you know, they, that they just can't go on living. And like, I, I don't know if it's good or bad, but I'll just say that, like, at the end of the day, like that, that's not the case in, in the majority. You know, you, there's so many people and, you know, so there's 22 veterans. There's a, there's a statistic and it's anywhere from 18 to 25 veterans taking their lives every single day. So almost one one every hour.
1: That's astounding.
0: It's disgusting. It's disgusting. Yeah. yeah.
1: So, okay. We are going to take a quick break from today's interview because I am so excited to tell you about a new program that I've just rolled out. It includes two group coaching calls each month to help you create the lasting happiness you so desire. It's only a $50 a month investment in yourself and you are worth it. So visit com slash courses to sign up. I hope you enjoy the rest of today's interview. So let's, what can be done? Like how can, and I know the military is such a big entity that, but I feel like something needs to be done to prepare people when they're separating from the military to have, you know, to to feel like there's value there. And I know there's many, many amazing organizations out there that are, you know, supporting veterans and helping them. Is there anything that you think could be done, you know, before they they separate from the military?
0: Yeah, I mean, I really think that, um, I think everybody needs a mentor of some way, shape, or form. And, and, you know, a lot of times in the military, we look up or we look upwards towards our, um, um, you know, our leadership, and we expect them to, we expect them to really guide them or guide us in, in the right direction. And what ends up happening is that, you know, there's, there's, there's already, you know, pre separations training that you go through that basically says, "Hey, don't kill yourself." You know, it's there's, there's training that does that, but nobody ever takes it serious because you know, it just no one ever feels it's, it's, it's impact until after they separate. You know, no right? One... Because
1: before you leave the military, you're not in the mindset that I want to kill myself.
0: Right, and when you're right. when you're even in the military, now there is still a significant number of active duty um, suicides that happen, but I will say that. Right. Hey, the amount of you know post separation suicides is, is very very large and you know it's it comes it comes down to you know nobody nobody takes it serious when it's in because no one feels the effects everyone still has the camaraderie they know that right after they watch that video they're going to go you know do something with their fellow brothers or sisters they're going to go you know they're going to go pt they're going to go over to the range maybe they're about to go deploy i mean either way their mind is so preoccupied with service that it's not until they get that paperwork and they're kicked out the doors and they're not allowed to wear that uniform anymore. I say kicked out the doors, but you know what I mean? Like, you know, they're, they're, they're separated and, um, you know, and then they walk out and they go, wait, uh, you know, I, I don't have to be anywhere. There's no one, there's no one here to guide me. There's no one to really look up to, you know, there's no, you, you know, you're if you had a finish line before it's now gone for the most part, like you have to go find it again. You know, so you're mm. so you're pretty lost. So people, you know, people don't understand. It's like you're you're in charge of millions of dollars. You know, you're in charge of people's lives. You're in charge of equipment. You're in charge of you know, um, highly coordinated operations. You know, you have so much value, and you know, at at 18, 19 years old, and then you get out, and it's like you know, I don't even know if I can flip patties at Burger King, you know, and have an advantage. So it really makes people feel worthless when they when they leave those gates, especially in highly involved, um, MOSs. So I think that what people need or what these, these veterans need is, is somebody that's, that was in their shoes to really uncover this statistic. Cause it's like, you know, I never knew that veterans took their lives, you know, so often and that it was a major statistic until, you know, maybe a year after I got out, you know, I, we had multiple guys take their lives and, you know, that's when I got exposed to the, to the term 22 a day and, you know um people talking about how many veterans take their lives it was like it was almost like it was so withheld or it was so it was so um like cordoned off from the inside of the military that it was like it wasn't even known like i would i would have never known i don't think any of my guys knew that you know and probably none of my guys before they took their lives knew that there was a statistic so high that they would do it you know so I think it's just unbeknownst to us until we finally get out and then we go, Hey, why are we feeling like this? Why do we feel worthless? You know, we're, we're talented individuals. Why do we feel like, you know, like we, the best of our life is behind us. And then as we start looking around, we find out that there's a lot of other veterans that feel the same, but there really is no, there is no good strategy at the moment other than like I said, getting, getting people out there, educating them, raising awareness for it. Because like I said, most people don't know. And, and, you know, what's, what's ironic is that, you know, it seems like the, the least amount of combat deployments that we go on, the higher it seems to spike. So it's like, it's, it's complete opposite to what everybody thinks. I make, I make 64 plaques as of right now, I make 64 plaques a month anonymously delivered. And I think, um, I think it's like 40, 47, 47 to 55% of them are suicide. People, oh gosh. people from Vietnam, people from you know, everywhere. I mean, you see, you see guys in their 70s and 80s committing suicide. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just insane to see such a, such a plague really get brushed on the carpet.
1: Yeah. So what would you say to somebody who is just separating from the military? What would be your best advice to them in order to feel that they're valued?
0: Yeah, I mean the I think the biggest thing for you to understand is that you are valuable and you your goal should be to build something, whether whether that's your family or, you know, your own business or or just anything or even projects, build something that's greater than your service. Like, you know, don't don't always feel like the best of your life is behind you. I mean, you can always build something that's better and have something to look forward to. It's it's not worth always looking behind you and, and trying to rely on your service to determine or to define who you are I mean it's it was a big part of your life and I understand that but it's not all you are and you can be something 10 times better than what you were in the service you just have to go out there and go get it so you know leaving the service is not the end it's just the beginning
1: right so what has? creating this company and making all these plaques, how has that changed who you are as a person?
0: Um, It's changed. It's changed probably everything about who I am. Um, I think my, I think my core, you know, determination is still, is still right where it needs to be. And I've always had that and, you know, whether it was ignorance before and I just didn't know when to stop, but, as of right now, you know, I've had to learn, I've had to learn some insane skills of like learning how to, to operate with, with so many team members. when I mean, we're sitting at, you know, anywhere from 70 to 80 employees here, you know, in, in this shop. And wow,
1: kudos to you. That's, that's really impressive.
0: I appreciate it. And, but it's, it comes with so many life lessons and of course, you know, I have to, I have to be i have to be very flexible and understanding and compassionate with every single person who comes here because at the end of the day there is no upper higher echelon there is no one who's going to bail us out it really is just us and you know me i'm, I'm 20 well, i just turned 29 so you know, i'm 29 years old i'm working with people older than me younger than me same age and you know these people have to have enough humility to you know despite, you know, being in an industry for 10, 15, 20 years, they have to have enough humility to, to look up to somebody who has been, you know, who who was three years ago or four years ago, working at AutoZone out of his, and, you know, and making plaques out of his garage. They have to have a lot of humility and, um and learning, learning that and seeing and figuring out those people who are going to have humility, those people who fit with those core values. It's just been, really, really changing for me. And I will say that I have realized that I am a complete workaholic. Um, (laughs) and it's, you know, I don't see a problem with it, but I think that's how they usually go. But, um, you know, my wife and I actually haven't had a day off in four years and that's not, that's not hyperbole either. That's not, um, me saying, Oh yeah, you know, we've, you know, we've always done something like, no, we have not actually physically taken a single day off. Like,
1: I, okay, well you and I are gonna have a little coaching session when I when we stop recording here and we'll talk about that. Yeah so, uh, It's just crazy
0: though, you know, so I we've got to see we got to see everything that we've made up that we're made of because you know I had to learn leadership skills, I had to learn business skills, um, I had to learn market I mean, I control all the marketing over here and you know obviously that's doing really well, but you know, I've just got to see I got to see my weak points. And um, I've gotten to see and develop all the skills that I have today, and that you know I, I just would have never thought I would have, especially in, in four years. So I'm proud. I'm proud of how I've developed, but more importantly, I'm proud of the team that has come to to join my side. Because really, like without them, this whole place couldn't exist for sure.
1: Mm, well, I am beyond impressed with what you have done. And thank you so much, not only for your service to this country, but for what you're doing now. And I can only imagine what that would, that must be like for the families um, when they receive that package.
0: Absolutely. That's pretty, that's pretty phenomenal.
1: Yeah. So my brother died while serving in the U.S. Army. He was not in combat. He was on a lot of drugs, and fell out of a window. And this was in 1978. It, it changed the course of my life, and it has it made me who I am today and why I'm of service to others. So about 45 to 60 days after he passed and the, we had the funeral and everything, they his, his whole um, unit pitched in, and there's this beautiful sterling silver. Um, it's It was like a, memorum, a memorial piece to him. It's kind of like a big, I don't even know what you would call it, but it has, you know, in memory of, and it has his name and all of that. And my mother passed it down to me to for safekeeping. But, and I have it displayed, and I look at that every day. And I tell you what, that means so much to me that it came from his his you know the men and women that he served with so i'm just here to say you know i can only imagine what those families like that will be a precious keepsake that they will pass on for generations because it it means so much that's the goal is like
0: the goal is to get the our goal here is to make sure every every fallen hero outlives us so yeah. we're, we're trying to make sure that we put the things in place. You know, we, we make our memorial plaques, so we, we build them very, very well and sturdy. And, you know, so that way they do outlive us. And then we we get their, their, their heroes' faces and stories up on the internet where it will be preserved because, you know, the internet's going to be around longer than all of us. So, um, you know, we, we make sure that they're on there and that there's ads that are conti- uh, constantly running towards them. So that way... You know, even if I, you know, even if I wasn't here tomorrow, they would still be going out and everybody would still be finding that hero on the internet, you know, and we're not even involved, you know, so the whole goal is just to make sure that every family understands that their hero is never forgotten. And we really come in because we want to rekindle the flame because like you said, you're, um, uh, you know, your hero passed away in the, in the seventies and you know, I, I'm, you know, not adding uh, salt to the wound or anything like that, but I'm I'm sure that, you know, nobody's come and dropped anything off of your doorstep, you know, to, to remind you how much our nation is grateful for his service, you know, and it's, right. I think that's the problem. It's, you know, it's, yes, when someone passes, we, we spend, you know, upwards of a year, you know, commemorating them to the fullest, but then after that, it's almost, you know. What have you know? Have a beer on their on their you know passing day or something like that. It's just for me. It just doesn't feel like enough. So I want to keep you know for those for those heroes that we that passed away in the seventies, eighties, nineties, early two thousands. I want to go back and I just want to remind the families that
1: you know we
0: haven't forgotten. So a lot of times when a hero just falls, we we don't honor them right away because we want to we want them to have that effect. Like every every family starts to believe that their hero. You know, is starting to fade, and every family starts to believe that um, that they're the only ones thinking of their hero. We we just kind of step in, and we want to let the you know remind them that there's still a grateful nation that remembers.
1: Mm. Corey, thank you so much for what you're doing. Is there anything else that you'd like to share with the audience today?
0: Um, I mean, maybe just our website tilbahala project dot and um, and our Facebook. Or we have Facebook, Twitter. And, uh, tick and Instagram, and you can find us all there. If you want to see all of our plaque deliveries, we have videos of plaque deliveries. We have, um, um, we have people called legacy guardians, which are just our, our, our VIP customers. They're the ones when we have a plaque, um, when we have a plaque that needs to be delivered, we reach out to our VIP customers and say, Hey, if there's anybody in this area, will you help us deliver that? So, um, you can go on there and you can see all their deliveries and, and stuff like that. So if, it, you know, whether you buy anything or not, just go ahead and go check out and see what we do. Cause I think, you know, no matter what it's, it's really good and it's heartwarming to see all the people who are willing to step out um, in their daily lives to, to go out of the way to honor a her fallen hero. I think, it's, mm-hmm. I think it rekindles a lot of um, faith in humanity because there's not a lot of people who say no.
1: Yeah. That's awesome. Well, Corey, thank you so much and best continued success. And thank you again for everything that you're doing to serve to serve these fallen heroes. It's, it's really incredible.
0: Thank you. I appreciate it so much.
1: So that was such an amazing conversation with Corey. And I know that it's a topic that is... Hard to, hard to listen to um, when, it's, when we're talking about suicides, but it's something that we need to all be aware of because it is such an epidemic in this country. So please support Corey's project, the Till the Hala Project. You can learn more about that at tillthehalaproject.com. Follow him on social media. I will make sure all of this is in the show notes. And take a look at some of those t-shirts. They're really amazing. And it's such a great message. And they are helping save lives, which is even more important. So thank you so much for joining me today. To learn more about me, you can visit my website at sandyscarlotta.com. And as always, I hope that you and your family are safe and healthy and that your lives are filled with peace, joy, and happiness. Take care, everyone.